hit the big 100. Thank you for being here. Thank you for helping spread the word about the YYC Fempreneurs and our podcast. All of the ladies featured here today in the 100th episode are just such blessings in my life. And I'm so grateful that, like, that they were willing to come on the podcast and share their stories and tips and tricks with you. Um, I could have continued for hours making this podcast episode longer and longer. There are a few of you ladies out there who uh, probably should be on this podcast episode, but I honestly just ran out of time and needed to stop before it was like three hours long. Um, it's juicy uh, beyond belief. There's so much goodness in this in this episode. I loved being able to just grab those really, really powerful things that these ladies said and put them into this episode. So I'm gonna stop talking and let's dive in. Because a lot of times you think, well, I can do it all. And actually, <laughs> when you accept that you don't need to do it all, and I always felt bad. And the girls who are very close to me um, who run branches will know um, that this is true, that a lot of times, and they've come to know me and say, hey, Lisa, I can do this for you. Like, would you like me to do this job? Because a lot of the times I don't ask and I just think, oh, I can do that. I can do that. And all of a sudden the the things that I can do and I need to do are a mountain. Mm. And when you lean on your girlfriends and ask for help, it turns out, People are way better at things like um, like online things or making documents or helping with your website. Like, why did I just like kill myself over doing that <laughs> when I have someone who is so close to me who is so good at doing that? So why don't we share the wealth and give credit where credit is due and and say, like, this person is really good at doing this. Ask yeah. for help use the people in your community. And if there was the example you use, someone wants to join a book club, but they don't know where to start. When I first, and this is what I tell to our branch directors and what I did personally here in Calgary, uh, when I had my first event, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be so embarrassing if nobody shows up. (laughs) If, If no one comes and it's like me and my mom, I'm going to be really embarrassed that I put this on Instagram. Like I made it a page, I made it a thing and now nobody's here. Like that's a big risk, right? It's a scary thing to do that. And I thought, okay, do I know four people? Yeah, I know four people. Can I ask four people to come? They don't have to come forever, but I really want them to come for this first time. Like, can I call in a favor and like ask four girlfriends to come? And if they want to bring a girlfriend with them, yeah, that would be awesome because that would make eight people and then that wouldn't be so bad. And then maybe a couple strangers will come and maybe <laughs> I'll put in like I'll put up some. And I did this. I put like early days before Wine Women and Wellbeing existed. I went into Nova Coffee House and I like made printed out the, the Eventbrite thing and I stuck it up on their um, like on their community bulletin board. Stick it if you're having a book club and you want people to come, stick it on your community billboard billboard or your mm-hmm. you know what I mean by that, right? Like a coffee shop yeah. Yeah. poster board thing. Old school um, marketing, yo. <laughs> like ask ask strangers to come or you know, like start conversations, build relationships. Hey, I'm doing this thing. Tell people about it. No one's gonna know if you don't tell them. And mm-hmm. ask ask your friends for support. Cause the worst that can happen is they say, No, sorry, I'm busy that night. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And what, yeah, one thing like I'm, I'm just curious to know if you kind of if you agree with this. I I, I definitely have felt that fear of what if no one comes, and I've, I've experienced that when no one comes. <laughs> and um, I also know that it's really not that big of a deal. In the moment, you feel kind of defeated, but on the bright side, the whole marketing experience of of talking about an event on social media, putting flyers out there, you're growing your community even if they don't show up. So I do you fi- find that too? Um, Do you know what? So we have had events online, for example, recently during pandemic, where we have, like I said, with GoCleanCo, we had 300 people because that's how much space at that time, Zoom, that was their capacity. And we've had other events where four people have signed up and you're like, oh my God, only four people are coming. What are we going to do? But something very cool happens. And Christine in Halifax and I had talked about this once because she, when she first started, she had an event and there wasn't many people signed up and she's like, Oh, I don't know. Should I just cancel? Like, is this going to be awkward? And so I'm sitting over here in Calgary and I'm like, I know it's happening. I'm like, she's in Halifax right now. She's having her first event. I know she's nervous. And I'm like, so there with her, um, without physically being there with her. And I'm just waiting for it to be over so that she can call and tell me how it went. And she called like I got that phone call and she, I could just hear it in her voice. She's like, it was amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because something like the event is definitely a different feel. Zoom as well. When you have a much smaller group, maybe it's not the big giant. We had 150 people at our event. Maybe you're not getting that piece, but those people yeah. connect in a different way. And you really mm-hmm builds community and you get a chance to know each other. And so even though maybe it's not exactly how you imagined it or envisioned it happening, there's always a silver lining. There's some takeaway. People meet each other in a different way. And so I think you just got to push through. Like she could have canceled that event and not had it. We could have canceled our zoom because there was only four people, but then you miss out on what could have been, even if there's three people like you and I right now, we're only two people but I'm mm-hmm. connecting with you in a way that I wouldn't have if mm-hmm. we didn't do this at all. So, right. you know, right. going out for coffee with one girlfriend is better than sitting at home and having coffee by yourself. So yeah. I just think don't be too hard on yourself. If you're planning something and it didn't turn out the way you want it to, what's, what's the takeaway? What can, what can you learn from it? What can you do different mm-hmm. next time? And what good came out of it anyway? Tell us more about how you how you structure it. Like, how many workouts per week? Is there one price point, or do people get an option of different memberships? Like, how are you running that part of your business now? Yeah, well, I mean, a big thing that I learned in from having business coaches in fitness is like it has to be evergreen. It has to be continuity. You're not going to be like here's sell sell six sessions or a drop in card. That's mm. the recipe for like failure from what I learned and it resonated because mm-hmm. my job is to get results and to build community and um, to get people to be consistent. So if I'm selling a drop-in pass, that's not consistent. And I know for some people that works and that's awesome. I'm not trying to poo-poo that, but my passion was like, let's get you really strong and fit. And like, that doesn't happen with one workout a month, you know? And I mean, one workout a month is better than no workout, um, but anyways, I kept it simple. And so it's just a weekly membership they pay and they can pause it 
Um, they can stop at any time, but, and then there's, if people want to pay for six months in advance, they can get a discount that way. But yeah, it's very simple. It's not like our old business. We had all these different pay structures once a week, twice a week, three times a week, four times a week, unlimited. And then like, um, paid in advance. Anyways, it was too confusing. Um, so now I'm like, we've got one, basically just one thing and it's just nice. And, and people say, I wish you had a drop in. It's like, hey, I, I get that. And it's not my philosophy. Um, yeah. I want to get to know you. I want to know your injuries. I want to know what you, your goals are. I want to build a, a relationship that's not just like see you once a month. And, you know, and I think there's a quote, I don't know if it's a quote, but it, it says, when you pay, you pay attention. And so if someone knows that every month or every week there's nothing coming out of their bank account, they're investing their money, they're going to invest their time and energy too. And that's just how it works. It's like a law. And yeah. so I'm like, it's same with me with coaches. If I don't pay and it's just a freebie, I don't value it. I don't show up. But if I know I'm, I'm putting out good, well-earned money every month, I show up on the coaching calls and I do the work. And so that's why I'm also passionate about like, I want them to put some skin in the game and, I don't want this to be some freebie thing because I mean, I do free workouts too because once in a while just to, you know, share and, and serve, but the people that see the best results really like come two or three days a week consistently for months and then right. they get to start reaping the reward. So, so you do three group classes a week for that fee that you charge. Yeah. And Jody was just on here. I don't know if she's still on, but she's the other coach and she actually stayed on with me from when we closed Ironside and she's got like, oh. a, she's been like a group exercise instructor for 22 years. She's got great energy. And we found that to translate through the Zoom screen, you had to be more, you had to be bigger. You had to be more engaged. Um, but yeah, we, Jen and one of my clients, Jen just hopped on. So yeah, they pay, it's a weekly fee, $29 a week. And there's also a Facebook community. There's also other resources. I also do extra seminars on different topics um, here and there. And, um, yeah. So anyways, I think it's really great that you've uh, taken what you, I think always described as a product business and you've now proved that it's, you have a knowledge business too, because you really can sell your knowledge. You've, you've taught a couple workshops. Lindsay's helped me realize that my knowledge is more valuable than I realized it was. It's just, you know, it's, it's harder knowledge. It's, um, me being persistent and digging and searching. So Lindsay has helped me kind of pull that knowledge out and together because I think because I'm in it every day and I do it every day, I didn't realize the value in it and, and the value of laying it out for people. Being able to sit down and have, okay, this is the structure of how, you know, books go. Like, you know, for mine, for example, it's kind of in four parts. And because she's gotten to know me and she's gotten to know my business, she knew what questions to ask me to help bring more info out. We were getting together a group of ladies to work on creating a workbook. And so I saw something about that before Christmas. And um, it's something that I kind of always thought about doing. And I, I just find in working with my clients, there's often um, similar questions being asked. And even though each course and learning experience is so different, there are common elements and kind of common stepping stones that we work through. And so I thought, well, you know, when you commit to something and you sign up for something, 
um, then it's, you're more likely to make it happen. So I decided to sign up. And plus, um, you know, ever since we've connected, I just, you know, find you so warm and engaging and supportive. And I, and you always, um, connect such a lovely group of people into your community. So I thought this would be a great way to get to work with you as well and to get to know um, some other female business owners looking to create mm -hmm. a workbook as well. And yeah, I loved the process. At times it felt a little overwhelming <laughs> and it felt like it would never actually happen <laughs> and, and but it it all came together and it was just having that community of support made a huge difference miracle of miracles my goal was middle of june and it it happened around the middle of june i got my book out in the world you did okay. it <laughs> so i was just so impressed with um everything that you put into this workbook. I learned a lot from having you in my program because of your course creation and teaching expertise. And so I cannot recommend this book enough to anyone who is looking to build a course, a workshop, um, even if you're not even sure about any of it, like if you don't even have a vision for it yet, this workbook will walk you through all of that. That is why it is so important to use these hashtags because people are using it like Google. They're just searching things up. So we were discussing and we were kind of trying to figure out how we could break this up for everybody in the easiest way possible because a big issue is that it, people think that hashtags take too much time. But in reality, if you sat down um, one day at the beginning of the month and did five hashtag banks, you're good. And so all you have to do is highlight them, copy them, and put them into your post. It's that simple. Right. So what right. you're going to do is you're going to put the initial time in and get the rewards of saving some of that time every single time you post. So, right. Okay, so I came into some new knowledge recently, and it was like mind-blowing. I never thought of this. If Instagram sees the same hashtags being used in every single post over and over again, and I'm saying like you have copied and pasted the same set of hashtags, if you change up like 20 of them and five of them are like the same, that's all right. Yeah, like I always use fempreneurs and YYC fempreneurs. You're not saying don't do that. You're just no. saying make sure those other 28 are not always the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Exactly. And why is that? So. Instagram will think that you're a robot and it actually won't push your post to as many people. I know. Robot? Me? Me? Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but when you think about it, it's like you're acting like a robot. You're doing the yeah. same thing over and over again, which is not a human thing. So let's, so creating the hashtag bank for me was like really exciting back in the day because I was like, yay, let's work. But I was probably looking like a bot for a little while and didn't know it. So thank yeah. you for bringing that you know, newfound knowledge into my world. You're welcome. And the other thing about that is that I have proven this theory. So I have, I was posting reels like all the time a few months ago and I was just copy and pasting the same hashtags because I was like, I just didn't have the, the banks ready. I didn't have the time. So I was just copy and pasting and I just keep seeing my numbers decline and decline. And I'm like, what, this doesn't make sense. And then I got this knowledge and I was like, okay, so if you can imagine that pie chart, right? 
Um, we are dividing your hashtags into four chunks, four sections, four categories, whatever you want to call that. And so the first one that we'll talk about is location. So where are you located? You want to have like, for example, hashtag YYC, hashtag Calgary Babes, hashtag um, Cochrane Living, different things like that. And for those, you really do want to get creative with them. Those are ones that you, in your hashtag bank, you can't just copy the same ones in all five. You need to have different location hashtags. So I know like Lindsay does YYC moms. Yeah. Um, like she has a whole bunch of different things. And yeah. Another Mompreneur YYC is one of my favorites. Fempreneur YYC, YYC Fempreneurs. Can I just ask a question? Yeah. Okay, no, sorry. This isn't a question. This is a question I've got a lot and I just want to address it. So a lot of people, a lot of Fempreneurs are like, but I don't want to just be pigeonholing myself in my, in my local area. I want clients because I can work online. I want clients all over the world. Okay, good point. However, you need to start locally and then expand globally. You need to create a community of people around you and you should really be starting with the people in your area. Because A, the thought that they could maybe see you in person someday is really awesome and they like that. So if you're starting with a new business venture and you're hesitant to use any like location specific hashtags like Selena's suggesting, I would advise you to not go down that path and to listen to what Selena is saying about using location specific hashtags for where you physically are. You're going to want to really build a solid community and a great client base in your local area before you expand. You try to start big, you're going to be like, it's like that whole thing. If you're marketing to everyone, you're marketing to no one. You want to market to a specific group of people who can relate to you and they'll be able to relate to you better if you live here in Calgary and they're in Calgary than if you're in Calgary and they're in LA location is really important to include in all of your posts all of your stories and like I just said your hashtags and even in your bio too even if you're virtual you can include that in your bio and when I've been doing um, a lot of my Instagram research a lot of people are saying that you should have your location in the bio even mm -hmm. if you are virtual you know I live in Cochrane mm -hmm. but I can serve anybody so I just want to make sure people know, so you're, when you're talking about the bio, you're talking about in Instagram, you have that little blurb about you. And so if you want to edit that, you need to actually click on edit profile. And that's how you can maybe add a hashtag or two to your bio. Um, and so that's kind of, I just want to make sure like for people who are brand, brand new to Instagram, that they, they actually know how to do what you just said. And so I'm trying to think like, I'm trying to th think yeah. very basic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you go to your profile page and then not the home page, the profile page, and then you'll edit it there and that's where you can add those different little details. I have a background in graphic design, so for me it's easy, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I'm always creating. But I have some friends that keep asking me, like, how do you do all this and like market yourself and do right. all that? Um I think it's just not worrying about what everybody's going to think about what you're mm -hmm. posting right? and that you like it, that you love it and whatever you're putting down, the colors you're choosing, the picture you're choosing speaks to you. So mm -hmm. the people that see it, it can connect because sometimes I feel that we try all these templates that aren't really you. But if you grab something that is really um 
the colors you love, the typography, and it's just awesome. And just make it yours. I guess yeah. that's the tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I guess yeah. Thinking about the kind of feel you want people to feel when they look at it, even and your favorite colors, and and once you you know, as a newer entrepreneur who doesn't have their brand colors nailed down, that might be tricky, but. Eventually, I think I think a lot of fempreneurs are just afraid, like you said, to fumble along for a while. They think people are watching me and they think that I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like nobody really cares as much as you think they do. I know. They don't (laughs) care. And all they care about is that you're trying. You're doing something that's admirable. I'm curious to know if during that time in Saskatchewan, while you were kind of getting your start in the world of, of, you know, being a reporter, being an anchor, being a weather girl, you know, recording video, editing video, all of that. Did you ever want to go out on your own like you are right now? Was that kind of in the back of your mind or, or was that not even there then? I think at that point in my life, I was really focused on being the best journalist, the best broadcast journalist I could be. So I had this a perfectionistic nature about me (laughs) so I want everything to be the best and I never thought about going into business at that stage of my life because I just wanted to be a really good journalist and a very good storyteller and this whole entrepreneurial spirit of mine came later in life based on the situation I am now. And the reason I bring in the perfectionism is I've always been kind of scared and intimidated by business because I always think if I, I'm not good at it, I've never tried it. So I'm automatically not good at it. So recently when I decided to start it, I said, I have to go all in and just give it a shot. I hadn't tried it before. So how do I know I'm not good at it unless I try? That's awesome. And you're a mom. I am. I'm a mom of two adorable little girls. What do your little girls think about when you're doing video work for your marketing and stuff like that? Are they right in there or do you try to time it when they're sleeping? Or <laughs> I try to time it just to look professional, but they actually really want to get involved. So I might pull them in sometimes. They're really curious and they want to talk to the camera. I think that's great because I want to instill in them that confidence to be confident on camera so that they can tell their stories. They're all for it. My little daughter, she loves to watch YouTube channels, so she's always talking to the camera like, this is what's happening right now in my life, and I'm opening up this toy. (laughs) What I do differently than a lot of people in videography is I will coach them through, so I'll make sure that they feel confident. A lot of people will say to me, oh my gosh, Felicia, I'm so nervous. I just don't do camera, and I say, I just give them this calming reassurance that, you know, I'm here to make you look good. I will not put anything that doesn't make you look and sound your best. So I'll coach them through the answers. We'll go through and we'll clarify their message until I can tell in my mind that we have a strong narrative. Because what I do differently is I do narrative-driven stories. I feel like stories can inspire, stories can connect us, and they can transcend boundaries, and they have the power to make a difference. So in my mind, I have to make sure that there is a story behind this, not just a couple clips. Hey ladies, Lindsay here. Just wanted to pause the episode for a moment to let you know that I really appreciate all of you who submitted your favorite episodes and even those specific clips that you found really powerful to make this episode you're listening to right now. 
uh, as powerful as it is, it's thanks to many of you. So I appreciate you giving your feedback. Um, one thing that I want to mention is um, episode 78 and 79 of the podcast, which is a two-part series. It's the top 20 things I wish I would have done sooner in my business. I did not add any clips from those episodes to this episode, even though there were a few of you that wanted it. If you have never listened to this podcast before, if this is like one of your first episodes, you need to go listen to episode 78 and 79. Those are very, very meaty. You're going to want to have your pen and your notebook handy. I'm going to shoot you straight with tons of really big stuff that you need to get done and exactly how to do it. Um, but yeah, I didn't include it here in the hundredth episode, but I wanted to make sure that you don't miss it if you're new here. All right, let's get back to it. Is there anything you can say to artists who are, um, who are sort of just hung up on worrying about what everyone else thinks? Are there any tips or mantras or ways they can take action to, to kind of get moving forward and get out there into the stuff that the world has in store for them faster? I don't know. I, I, I suppose that you've really just got to strengthen your why. And mm. I think I actually have, um, I think there's a quote on one of my walls. I've, I've got on my wall, um, the world is rigged in your favour, mm. which is one of my favourite things. That's great. So every time I um, look, and, and my students always love it too, they always laugh at it, you know, and they say, yeah, the world's rigged in your favour too, so just keep reading that. And I have another one, and it says, comparison is the thief of everything that is good in us. Mm, so stop yeah. comparing. <laughs> and so what I did was I put it out to my students who's up for an exhibition, who's up for the commitment of time, money. And it's really quite sort of interesting of um, waving that in front of them. So I'm thinking it's going to be called the art of friendship. It will be um, flowers, fruit, food, and hopefully, um, so we'll be painting a series of still lives. And yeah. I think we could do it with cocktails. Can you imagine these really beautiful Ooh. cocktails? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I thought we could do one with cocktails, one with flowers, one, one with food. Um, so it'll be called The Art of Friendship. Um, and we're going to, um, ho hopefully I'm going to get them to paint a meal, which always brings their family and their friends together. And so we can get them to do a beautiful still life of that. Um, have the recipe and hand out a postcard with the recipe and a little bit of a story about that particular meal um, of how they, you know, how they come across it and how they, they make it and, yeah. We're not a community that is exclusively for women who own businesses right now. We are a community for crazy people. We're like a support group for women who have that entrepreneurial mindset. So whether this is a woman who's owned a business in the past, or maybe she's still gearing up to start her first business and she's just getting around more of the right people, learning more of the right things. I talk to women all the time who took two and three years to gain the knowledge and the confidence to actually open the doors to their business. And I don't mean, you know, necessarily opening a brick and mortar, but just you know, starting that Instagram account and saying, here I am and here's what I do. So I think a lot of times women just need to be in that incubation phase for a long time. We are the community for women like that. If you don't have a business right now, or if you know a woman who you think would love this podcast and you're like, well, maybe she won't because she doesn't have a business right now. No, we want to train her up. We want to give her the confidence she needs to get that business started. 
Was it super terrifying to say bye-bye to your, I don't believe there's such thing as a secure job, but from your, your job that maybe you felt was secure, even though it was, you know, pulling a lot of your energy and attention away from your own thing, which is your business, like, was it scary? And how did you work through that? It was scary. I can't even pretend that it wasn't. I mean, again, I, I went away from this quote unquote secure job. I had a regular salary, I had great benefits. I had a pension plan. Like that's, you know, yeah, it was, it was scary. Um, again, I talked about doing this probably for the last two years full time, but hadn't felt it was the right time to make the leap. Um, Again, I think like most of us, I mean, we, we worked to live, not live to work. So I needed to be sure that I could manage my, you know, my financial obligations without a regular full-time job. So, yes, it was super scary. And, you know, I was excited. And then when it finally happened, you know, it was great. And then I got COVID. So then it was like, oh, good. Now I can't work because I'm so bloody sick. And then um, I... I'm not going to lie. There are days that I think I'm like, I'm scared. There's yeah. still days I'm scared. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think that yeah. never goes away. And it's good for all of us to hear others say that. Um, yeah. I think it's what you do with the fear. Like for me, you know, fear drives me to um, create a, a 22 day Instagram marketing challenge, which by the way, there's a video right. up today. <laughs> um, and it drives me to build a juicy email or, you know, put a new yeah. event up and then add that event to the new email. It drives me to do a lot of the outreach stuff. That is the kind of stuff that doesn't like, like you said, it doesn't require someone to buy now or do anything. It's this kind of stuff that just builds relationships. Because what I found is that's the stuff that's brought more and more money into my bank account. It's just being a good human and making connections. The video that I made when I left my previous job, which was at the University of Calgary, and I'd worked there for just shy of five years, and I literally had dropped off all my all my university belongings and cleaned out my desk and just did a pan of the the whole top floor where I worked and just said, you know, this was what I was talking about. You know, this is my big announcement. This is what I'm doing. This is what I was doing. And, um, you know, a little shout out to my previous employer and just did a piece out. And actually that that particular post got so many comments. And so many likes and, you know, so many good jobs and so excited for you. Um, so that probably is the one where I got probably the most traction. It's funny because I know we've talked about this before in, uh, in passing in the marketing class where you build this, you think this incredible piece of whatever that you think, oh, it's such a great post and, you know, so much information and so much impact and it's, it comes off as wah-wah, <laughs> right? And then you get these ones where you just think, oh, it's just like a little snippet of life and it's like it blows up. During the program, I specialized in social impact. Uh, and I, I also had a thesis on innovation. So I was studying all about, you know, how corporations innovate, big business, small business. How, how does one really innovate? And that was the topic of my study. 
Uh, and I was also doing um, studying social impact and social ventures and how social ventures innovate. And the conclusion, like the biggest aha moment, the conclusion I came it came down to is stories. Ah. It, and it was it was almost like and stories from the perspective of lived experiences. So the idea is that innovation happens when we can truly understand the lived experiences of the people that are your consumers, right? And and their pain mm. points and their frustrations. And so even in that social impact uh, scenario, it's really understanding what are the pain points of the community and really trying to figure that out as, as opposed to stepping back and making assumptions and just creating strategies that you think is going to achieve this impact. But yeah, like trying different colors and different words and different, yeah, like let's let's get to know the humans. <laughs> exactly. Cool. And so that was kind of my turning point, I think, is during the MBA to realize that there's actually such a, a huge wisdom in that and leveraging yeah. the lived experiences and the stories. And let me just like, that's what I want to do. And so the work that I started doing in my day job was actually um, based on storytelling again, but it was from the context of human centered design is what we call it. And so oh, wow. the, the, the work that I do right now is leading innovation programs in our mining group, which is leveraging all of these tools and human centered design. That's right. a bit of my okay. Wow. So you're an engineer, but you're still getting to do work in your engineering career that is like you know Humans. going into the emotions and the humans. Yeah, not just things and objects and machines and like whatever, yes. right? Like you're doing human stuff, which is cool. So okay, so tell give us a day a day in the life. Like what do you what do you do at work and how does that ripple effect? kind of go out and to who and how does that make sense what do I do at work I <laughs> it's a great question I I will start with saying what I love doing at work I love um, my team I think that's the part of my job that I enjoy most is the leading a team um, oh, cool. people that work for me as well uh, I am always amazed at what they've been able to achieve and how they've been growing and achieving their potential and coaching and mentoring um, and so that, that's the piece I think I'd say I enjoy the most is, is coaching. We're talking about law of attraction. We're talking about like law of assumption, all the inner workings and really how to unpack that and get to the root of, of things so that you can attract the life that you desire and the, have all the things you deeply deserve and the things you are deeply worthy of. So, wow. How long have you had your podcast now? So I started it at the end of 2019. It was interesting. The other day I was looking and I, I released episode 73 last week and I was like, whoa, because I'm like, sometimes I think I'm like such a beginner, like keep going, keep pushing. I'm like, holy crap, I've actually been doing this for a while. Like I'm almost at 100 episodes already. So yeah, it's been cool. Good for you. That's wonderful. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day because or last night I was on my walk and I was like, okay, manifestation has been, and law of attraction has been sprinkled to us through our lives, but nobody ever like laid it out in a simple way because, you know, we, we heard that quote, I don't know who this is by, but I think therefore I am. Who's that by? I don't know. I've heard that one too though, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. And so it's like, if we could raise our children with this, um, this mindset of, I think therefore I am. And, you know, people can unlearn 
the things that they that have made them today or to put them into lack, right, and learn a new way of being, then so many good things are going to happen because good people need to be rich. Just simple. They Absolutely. really do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's it's cool. And I just like learning, trying to teach my kid these kinds of things. Like he's four. So I'll tell him something like with his mindset, like before bed, I'm like, you're brave, you're kind, you're smart, you can do anything. And he's like, uh-huh. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to tell you this forever. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I was thinking about doing like a three or five day manifestation challenge and like focusing on, you know, setting an intention, getting clear, like all the five steps. Yeah. I've got yeah. Thing, so yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And so let's just address, and this might be going through your mind already. The most common concern I hear from people when I say you should create some sort of free thing or a free series of things. They're like, okay, but I put all that stuff in my paid course or I do that for mm-hmm. my paid clients. How do I package this in a way that's not giving away all of my things? Yes. Um, and I'm just curious to know if that was going through your mind or what, what you think about that or how you would kind of get around that. Actually, you know what? I, I, I have overcome this a lot. Um, because I am a perpetual word vomiter, so I've like learned how to not do that. And I've learned how to keep people curious, right? Because you can't give it all, all of it away, right? Right. So, yeah. Um, so you're, you're good at that. <laughs> getting there, yeah, getting a lot better. Because even I, there was a, I think it was a singing coach or something that I was following. She said that, I don't know how she put this, I'm going to butcher it, but she said something along the lines that, um, the least interesting people are the people who tell you everything <laughs> all at once or something like that. I was like, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so now I've been trying to package things in a way that's like, you know, keeps people interested and curious. And then so that they have to come and ask me questions. And I actually wrote about this in my, in my last book. I, when I was a new financial advisor, would always quote facts. I would always quote facts. I was always being like a human textbook and I was often on LinkedIn I think I didn't I didn't share a unique thought from my own head for the first year on LinkedIn I was literally just resharing other people's stuff Mm. and I think that there's this thing that happens when we've been in business for like a year two three where all of a sudden we realize that we can word things our own way and we don't have to educate all the time we can sometimes just have fun with our audience Mm -hmm. or you know we can just just be very basic with it and leave them hanging. Cause I used to always feel like if I left someone hanging, they would think I wasn't doing a good job because I didn't give them every little step, you know? So I like that you, you're, you're good at that. That's really good. Now I am. I exactly, I was exactly like that as well. Like I used to just spew like here it all is. And then people were like, okay, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and even now, even with podcasting at the beginning, it's the same thing. I'll go in instead of giving the five steps to something and like giving you enough that you're like interested because the point of being a thought leader is provoking thought, right? You don't want to just give everything away. We want people to dive into themselves and be like, Ooh, that's really, really interesting. I'm going to search more on this. or I'm going to come back and see what she says next. That's the point. Right. And it's not, I thought that by doing that, it would, it was more of like an egoic attention thing. And I'm like, oh wait, no, this is not for attention. I'm like, I'm not doing this for attention. I'm doing this to help you. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, 
I'm exchanging a bunch yeah. of free value for you and the hopes yeah. that in the long run, you're going to be a recurring client. Like, come and buy my stuff. Come dive deep with me. I had been in a variety of different jobs over, over my life time. I come from a background of nursing, if you want to go really back. A position I was in was eliminated and I was left to either, you know, move on or look for something uh, new again, or maybe do something of my own. And that's what I ended up doing. So I got into social media management. I'd been doing some of that as part of other jobs. And it was something I found gave me an opportunity to be creative. And I was pretty excited about social media. I was on it before my kids were. It was just something I found quite fascinating. And I love that connection of community. Um, I've done it for some of my own little ventures as well as for other people. And I even found that when I moved in November to a new community, I saw a gap in that area. And so I did that in our community too, just to try and connect people. And I think that's um, what has brought me to the Fempreneurs and then on to starting a blog, writing a book. I mean, mm-hmm. I did some direct marketing sales for a while. Um, as you're familiar with, it's a different company, but it's the same type of product. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed that as a way of networking with people, practicing my social media skills, going on, you know, doing lives and um, the online parties and just that transitioning, I guess, into a different way of meeting with people and with clients and with serving. And then, you know, that had its season and it was incredible. I'm so blessed for having had that experience, but I was ready to move on. And that's when I took the leap into the Fempreneur Marketing School to just pull on. I was so multi-passionate and I, I still am. Um, challenges that I face. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is that multi-passionate. And so okay. I, I'll just address that now. That's partly why I got into the marketing school. I didn't know, I felt pulled in so many directions. I didn't know which path to follow and which to attempt to monetize. Was it necessary to monetize? Was it just a hobby or it was a jobby? It was just, you know, one of those things, right? So um, I found that it was really good to focus more and and block my time. And so those were some of the things I learned um, after meeting Lindsay and the ladies that were in the marketing school, even past graduates, um, just an incredible community of ladies. It's about the way that you balance your entrepreneurship with your job. So it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a job on top of running your own business, right? So yeah, can you tell so, us a little bit about what that's like? Yeah, so you have to be really organized. My day actually starts around 5.30, 6 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just work on my businesses. I'm also a 31 consultant because they're amazing organizing products. So that kind of goes hand in hand. But from 6 to 7, I work on my businesses. And then 7 to 8, I'm helping the girls um, get ready because we also have a, a Japanese student living with us going to school here. So kind of get them ready. And then I teach at eight in the morning and um, I'm usually till 4.30. And then I 
Yeah, we just have routines. Everyone has, I call them little 15-minute Oz jobs. So throughout the day, I'm doing my little Oz jobs. And then when my husband and daughters uh, come home, they're doing their little Oz jobs. And literally 15 minutes at a time, we have the whole house functioning all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, When people come, well, pre-COVID, people would be like, is this how your house like really is? I'm like, yeah, it really is this organized and neat and tidy. And even on days when we're sick, it's really easy to tidy up in like 15, 20 minutes because we know where things go. And and so even if you have an off day, you can catch up really quick. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's because I really like what I do. Um, I love teaching and educating um, and I translate that into organizing and I'm literally mentoring and coaching people all day and it's super rewarding and it fills my cup up. And when COVID hit and I had to stop organizing, I actually got a little bit depressed um, because I wasn't able to help people. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to, to see that change and to hear like when a dad says, oh my gosh, like, I was kind of hesitant at first as to really we're going to pay her to come and help us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad this is the best money we've spent. Um, That and then hearing the family isn't fighting as much or arguing as much. um, That is just so rewarding. So Mm -hmm. I think that's how I can do it is because I'm really passionate because I've been there. I've been there when it's not fun to live with people (laughs) that you love and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be my reality for the next 20 years. No, it doesn't have to be. I was blessed with a good memory. And me and my my brother, I have a a brother, a younger brother. And we Mm -hmm. used to remember a lot of details of our childhood. But I bet that there there is a a bunch of things that I lived, but I already forgot. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I had a nice childhood, but yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have any, except for my, my, my memories. I can't like show you what I live, you know, yeah. because I don't have a yeah. picture to, to, to prove to you because right. one thing is, is under my perspective. The other thing is a picture that tells the story, regardless of what I think or what happened, you know? So yeah, yeah it, it, I miss this so much and maybe, maybe no, I absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, I, I, I take photography more than just a business but a mission you know i think it's quite important to 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 give to the families things that i didn't have you know so it's quite important yes and yes it's so important i remember in marketing school that morning when you told this story Mm -hmm. about you know just not having the camera growing up and not having that play-by-play photo album of your yeah. childhood and how that really inspired you to start your business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really cool. So you started out focusing on children's photography. You recently wanted to lean more into the branding photography, not stopping the children's photography, yeah. right? But you're yeah. leaning more into the branding. And I've of course recently seen some of your work and it's just fantastic for those women watching this who are in that phase of, loving photography, kind of dabbling in it, having fun with it, playing with it, but they haven't started their business yet, but they want to, how did they get started? How did you get started? Tell us that story of how you took yourself from, I love photography, I want to do this, to actually making it a business. When you do what you love the most, it it's kind of nice to, to think about like 
earning money from from things that you really like to do, you really enjoy. But uh, at the same time, there is a, a responsibility to because you turn a hobby or something that you love into your work. So it's mm. something that it's something else, right? So yeah, uh, what I did, I I used to I used to learn a lot from the observation. I try I try to to follow other photographers. I try to follow other entrepreneurs to 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 check what they have to to teach me, to share with me. You know, mm-hmm. especially now on social media, we have a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So for me, I I. I had um, the opportunity to get to know a few photographers and see what they were doing to in order to to succeed as, a, as an entrepreneur and took some notes of this. I, I like this. I don't like that. You know, I think the most important thing is, is, is to be brave and and, you know, kick the ball <laughs> and start the game. You know, I think you learn a lot if you are already in the game. I mean, uh, if you start pl- to plan everything, I did this, I had to plan to be perfect, and then I will start the business. If you, you end up, you end up like doing nothing because no, you're never r- really, really ready to start something. You have to, to do it and correct things doing the way, you know? You learn a lot about yourself when you are running your own business. And there you have it, ladies. Our 100th episode is in the books. We did it, we made it. You are so awesome for being here and being a part of it. Thank you so much. If you haven't been interviewed on the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast and you want to be, please go to yycfempreneurs.com slash podcast to learn more about how you can be featured on the podcast. Thank you, have a great rest of your day. Bye for now.